and pray with one another. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 1. Uh, John chapter 1, you can either turn to or click to. Uh, whichever, whichever is more comfortable for you. You can use version, uh, where we have all of the, 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 the scriptures and the outline, and, and uh, you can take note, notes that way. And so we started out the Dive Deep series a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and so tonight, I want to talk to you about this issue. In fact, is the title of the me- message is, is Unashamed. I want to talk to you about living a life as a believer, just being unashamed about your faith. In other words, to where you come to that place in your life to where you don't allow anyone, listen, you don't allow anyone to like tamp down your, your faith, whether they're the believers or whether they're the non-believers, because sometimes believers are just as bad as non-believers uh, in some areas of faith or some areas of, of trusting God. And so many of you guys, like, you know my story. Uh, I, wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't born in Colorado, right? Um, I was Texan. But now I no longer consider myself a Texan. I think I've been here long enough that I no longer consider myself a Texan. And so, you know what? Uh, I wasn't born in Colorado, but I got here as soon as God would let me. How's that? And so, and so in Texas, I, I, I lived all over. I was born in Baytown, Texas, which is outside of Houston on, on the ship channel. And so I lived in Baytown, Texas. I lived in Houston, Texas. I lived in Tyler, Texas. I lived in Bay City, Texas. I lived in, in Big Spring, Texas for about six months one time. And, um, and, and so I've, I've lived all over Texas. And then, like, I came here in 1995 when the Dallas Cowboys were a dynasty. And they haven't been the same since. And so, but you know what? Maybe I just realized, I was thinking, maybe, maybe I have a football anointing, and I brought that to Colorado, and look at the Broncos now. So, <laughs> so who knows? And so, and so, but you know what? I, I love Colorado. We love, Karen and I, our family, we love Colorado. And there's things about Colorado I love deeply. I mean, I, I love green chili. I, I did not know what green chili was. I still remember the first time I went to a Mexican food restaurant, and they asked me, do you want red or green chili on your enchiladas? I didn't even know what that meant. And so we, now, we, now we like put green chili like on everything. I mean, we, we love green chili. And, and one of the purposes of our church is just to come to that place to where we just connect God, people, and community. In other words, we connect, we connect people with God and people to people and people with the community, which is missions, which is ministry. See, we believe that Pueblo, Colorado should be a better place because, like, Fellowship of the Rockies is here. And, and we, we not only just believe that, but we, we live that out uh, from, from schools that we've adopted, from ministries that we've done, from a caring uh, pregnancy center that we've come alongside of them, single moms, oil change, um, feeding the homeless down on, on, the, river, on, on the Arkansas River, uh, and various ministries that we've done. We just like live this out. And when you, when you look at statistics, and you know this, right, it's not hard to find someone in Pueblo that does not know Jesus. It is not hard in, in the West, so Pueblo's not unique, but it is not hard. In the, see, I came from, from the Bible Belt, and I came to Pueblo and we're in, in to the West, into Colorado, where you realize that the statistics show that very few people really go to church week in and week out. So we live in an area, and we live in a place where, where people need a relationship with Jesus Christ, where people need a church, where, where, where people need to know that, you know what, God loves you, and God cares about you. And so we believe these, these things, and, and, and God has a job to do, and, and He desires to do that job through you, and that should excite us, right? 
that God has a plan, and God has a plan for Pueblo. God has a plan for this church. God has a plan for this area. And God has a job to do, and he desires to use you, and he desires to do, use me. But we have to come to that place to where we're willing to leverage some things. We're willing to, to leverage the influence or the platforms that God has given us. We talk a lot in church about stewarding the resources, the financial resources that God gives you. And Scripture talks about that. How do we manage that and leverage that for the kingdom? But guess what? God also wants us to come to the place to where we le leverage the influence that he's given us with relationships and with family and friends that are around us. And so tonight I want to talk to you about this issue of just just come to the place to where you're not ashamed you're unashamed of your faith you're unashamed of what it means to be a Christ follower to follow Jesus and you don't allow anybody regardless of the, the circle of the situation the circumstances you're in you don't allow anyone guess what to like tamp down your faith because you've just come to that place in your life that you're a Christ follower and, and you're unashamed of that so I want to give you three things tonight that if you're going to leverage your influence for God that God has given you, then there's, there's, there's like three things that you must do. There's three things that you must realize. The first one is this, is you must come to the place that he, incre he must increase in your life. That you come to the place in your life to where like God increases in your life. I mean, John the Baptist, we're going to look at this, and John talked about this, and he talked about that I, I, must, I must decrease and he must increase. In other words, if you really want to leverage the influence that God has given you in the relationships and in the profession and the different platforms that he's given you, then, then you'll come to that place to where he begins to decrease in your life or, or you begin to decrease in your life and he increases in your life. John chapter 1 verse 35 and we're, we're going to go all the way through verse 50 or 40. You'll know it when we get there. I don't know. <laughs> Verse 35, here's what it says. It says, The next day, again, John was standing with the two of his disciples, and, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Now listen, let's, let's understand who this John is. This John is not the Apostle John that he's referring to. It's not the Apostle John who wrote the Gospel, who wrote the book of John, who wrote Revelation. This is not the same John. This is a different John. This is a guy by the name, well, he was called John the Baptist. He was a forerunner of Christ, and he had this ministry. And because he was baptizing so many people, the community just called him John the Baptist. I mean, this is a guy that was just like unashamed of his faith. I mean, can you imagine having a nickname that people knew you by because of that you were unashamed of your faith? or because you pressed into God so much that you were known as that type of a person. This is, this is John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist has this group that he's baptized that are like in his church that are following him. And all of a sudden, I mean, he had a lot of influence. And all of a sudden he sees Jesus. And guess what? You know what he does? He doesn't point them to himself. He points them to Christ. The uh, fact is, Jesus said this about John the Baptist. Unbelievable what he said. Matthew 11, 11, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. I mean, if we could learn something from someone, wouldn't he be the guy that Jesus says before me, there was like no one greater than like this John the Baptist guy. Yet one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And, and so John the Baptist is the one that said that, that I must decrease and he must increase. And so he was the one that w was pointing people to Christ. And he said, look, behold, the Messiah, the, the Lamb of God. And see, we do this as a church.
We're not trying to build the name or the brand of Fellowship of the Rockies. Our goal individually and as a church is to simply point people to Christ. And listen, we are excited about what God is doing in our church and doing in our community. We're excited about the 12 people we're baptizing. We're excited about the stories and the testimonies of life change in this church. But as a church, we are actually more excited about Jesus Christ and what He's doing. I mean, listen to what happens when John the Baptist just simply points people to Christ. Verse 37, then the disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. In other words, John the Baptist leveraged the influence that he had with this group of people. See, we show people, when we're unashamed of our faith, we show people who Jesus is by the way that we live, by the way that we serve people, by the way that we talk, by the way that we handle conflict, the way that we do our business, the way that we raise our family, the way we go about our hobbies and our life. And the only way that we can do this is the way in which we follow Christ. See, we love to see people meet Jesus, but guess what? We also love to see people connect with one another in discipleship. And, and that's why I just I got the numbers this last week and I was just blown away in life groups and at Fellowship of the Rockies that we now when we move all the new people coming in that have signed up and prospects for life group do you realize our church will have 650 people meeting each week in life groups meeting in homes and being discipled and talk I'm just telling you if you are not in a life group you are missing out I mean, there's something about this issue of life groups. So we value, listen, we value evangelism and we value discipleship. And we love to see people connect with God and we love to see people connect with one another. See, John was simply just using the influence that God had given him and he leveraged it for the kingdom. And listen, we leverage the influence that God has given us when we simply point, point people to Christ. Well, when, when he increases in our life, it's natural to begin starting to, to steward, is a biblical word, or manage the relationships around them. Listen, the people around you, whether it's who you work with, whether it's your family, if they love you and they trust you, it may take months, it may take years. But if you will invite them, they will start to come. When you are willing to leverage the influence that God has given you, I'm telling you, they love you and they trust you. They've watched your life. Do you realize they'll start following, following Christ? Do you realize many of the 12 that were baptized in this weekend were invited by people in this church? When we're willing to steward or manage or leverage the influence with people that we work with, people that we live with, people that we play with, people that we know in our neighborhoods and communities, they'll start, they'll start following Christ when we understand that God, God desires us to use, for us to use the influence that He's given us. So the first thing is this, is, is He must increase. He must increase in your life. The second thing is this, is you must invest in people. Man, you must, you, you must come to the place to where, you know what? He not only increases in your life, but you come to the place that you learn or you, or you steward or you, you invest in people. Verse 38, we'll just keep tracking through this, this story. So Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? In other words, you know what he's asking? What do you want? What do you want? 
What do you need me to do for you? See, all the way through the Gospels, Jesus always met felt needs first before he changed their life. Every time. And he just simply asked them, what do you need? And they said to him, Rabbi, which, which means teacher, it's a crazy state question, where do you live? Where are you staying? Jesus said, I know you need something. I know you're like needy. What do you need? And they're saying, where do you live? Out, listen, our church should be a place that people with needs can come and not have to fake it. Where broken people can come and they can be authentic, they can be vulnerable, and they can be real, and they do not have to fake it because they're in a religious church or anything like that, that they can just be real and authentic. When you come, listen, you can come, and when you come just like you are, and you come into His presence, you don't have to stay that way. And I want us as, as a church to keep pointing people to Jesus, and, and, and that He is the one that's perfect, and that He is the one that was without sin, and we are not. Listen, Jesus understands we have needs. Jesus understands you have needs. Jesus understands right now the needs that I have. And he knows we have struggles. Listen, my grandkids, as perfect as they are, we spent a lot of time with them the last several weeks, and as perfect as they are, uh, I, got, I, got, I got frustrated with them. I, I don't have the patience that Karen has. That's obvious. And so I got, fr I got frustrated with them, and I looked at, at one of them and says, Can't you do anything on your own? Karen's like, They're two. You need to be the mature one in the room. I mean, really, when I look at my grandkids, they can't do anything on their own. They can't eat on their own. They can't, uh, <laughs> they, they can't go to sleep on their own. They can't watch TV on their own. You know, they, it's like they can't do anything on their own except for grab my cell phone and, like, reprogram it. They can do that. <laughs> I do not understand that. I'm like, what did they just do? And they, listen, my grandkids, as perfect as they are, they cannot do anything on their own, but it does not cause me to love them any less. And God understands you cannot do anything on your own. And you have needs. And you have struggles. And it does not cause him, listen, it does not cause him to love you any less. God is not shocked and God is not surprised you have needs that you don't understand some things, that you get angry. You say some words, you call some people names you shouldn't say. God is not surprised and shocked by that. And guess what? We shouldn't be shocked either when people come into church and from the community. And you know what? We should be asking them, what do you need? What do you need? That's why life groups, I'm telling you, that's why life groups are so important. We as a church, and we are a church that God uses to meet needs in a community. That God uses to meet needs. I'm telling you, God has a plan and God has a job to do and He desires to do it through you and He desires to do it through me. They just simply ask, Jesus, where, where are you staying? In other words, can we like come to your house? 
Listen, they're, they're thinking they're going to go to Jesus' house and just like hang out. But he's going to transform their life. Listen, our community, our community does not need a great Bible teacher. You know what our commu community needs? Our community needs transformation. Our community needs to be able to come into the presence of God and allow Him to change their life. The people that you work with, listen, they just don't need to hear about the Bible and see some scriptures on your desk. They need an encounter with the living God. And that's why Jesus said in verse 39, and He said to them, Come and like you will see. So they came and saw where He was staying. And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. So listen, if you've been pushing back about this life group stuff, here's the first life group in Scripture. Jesus said, come to my house. I'll be your life group leader. We'll break bread together. We'll open up the Scriptures together. And so Jesus invested in them and spends time with them. The tenth hour is like four in the afternoon. They spent all day. See, there's, there's something, right? There's something about when you go to someone's house and you break bread or have a meal and you understand how they live and you understand how they do business and, and there, there's intimacy. I mean, there, there's intimacy there, right? So Jesus is talking about. He said, you want to come to my house? You come to all, all of you. All of you can come to my house. They thought they were just going to hang out. Jesus about ready to transform their life. Third thing that if you're going to leverage the influence, if you're going to live a life unashamed, the third thing is this. You must invite others. You must come to the place. I mean, God must increase in your life. You must come to the place in your life to where you realize God, life is not all about me. I'm going to invest in some people. I'm going to invest in some people that I work with. I'm going to invest in some people that I live with. I'm going to invest in some people that live in my neighborhood. And I'm going to invest in some people that go to my church, whatever those surroundings are. And then you have to come to the place. You've got to make the ask. You've got to invite. I mean, Andrew, after he spends a day with Jesus and he is found by grace, he accepts God his first response is to do something with it. Watch this, verse 40. One of the two uh, who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. Okay, so, so Andrew meets Christ. So Andrew meets Christ, and, and then it says he's Simon Peter's brother. Simon Peter's lost. Simon Peter doesn't know Christ. Simon Peter did not have the same experience that Andrew just had. But you know what? Andrew loves his brother. Andrew loves his family. So you know the first thing Andrew does? He goes and finds his brother. Verse 41. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, Simon, we found the Messiah. He changed my life. He transformed my life. In other words, Andrew has influence. He has a relationship. There's something about when you invite someone to church that you have a relationship with, that you have investment in. And so he goes, verse 42, So Andrew brought him to Jesus. Andrew took him to church. Andrew invited him to church. And Jesus looked at him. It was transformation. You are Simon, the son of John. 
and you shall be called Cephas, which means, which means Peter. So Andrew finds Christ. There's transformation that happens. And the first thing that Andrew does is he goes and finds his brother. I mean, we, we get that, right? I mean, we understand that, right? If, if we find something we love, we like naturally tell everybody. I, I, I do that with a restaurant. I do that with food all the time. I mean, I'm telling you. if I love telling people about it. I, I mean, if I, find, if I find a new food and I love you, I'm going to tell you about it. Can I, just, can I just confess something to you? I have a thing for deep fryers. I do. I mean, I love, I love anything that is like deep fried. I mean, I love carbs. There are sometimes, just while we're confessing, there are sometimes I carb load and I don't even have a race to run. <laughs> I just carb load. Cause I, and so, so listen, if, if I discover new food, like, like this last week we, we were in Denver, and so I pulled in Smashburger. And I was telling Pastor Chad, I mean, I, I, had, I had their burger, like the Colorado burger. I mean, I don't know how they got the green chilies, like crispy. I've never seen that before in my life. And it was like, for me, it was like a spiritual experience. I will never be the same. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, it was amazing. And so I'm telling you, if I, it's human nature, right? If you find something you enjoy, it's natural to tell somebody else about it. Last year, I did a wedding. I did a wedding up in the mountains, and I'm at the rehearsal. And there's this older gentleman there that's retired, and he's into photography. You know what? He was telling me about his love of photography, different cameras, different lenses, different f-stops, different apertures. And then before you know it, he's pulling out his iPad. I'm looking at all of his pictures. He was so passionate about photography that I was thinking about giving up golf and just starting to take pictures instead. <laughs> and Andrew, Andrew's like a fisherman, right? And I don't know if you've ever been around a fisherman or a, a hunter. They're like the worst. You know, they're always, they, they're always showing you pictures of how many fish they caught, how big that fish was, something they shot, something they killed. But it, it, it's human nature that when you find something you love, it's human nature to tell people about it. So we get this. And if Jesus has found you, then it's natural to tell others about Jesus and about Christ. You, you don't hide it. In other words, you invest and you invite and you do like Andrew did. You start with your family. Andrew thought, I got, the, I got a brother that doesn't know Christ. I got a brother that, that like needs this. But you know family, right? This can be difficult. Because the ones we love the most know us the best. And sometimes family know you before you met Christ. See, Jesus understood this. Jesus had some difficult... Look, look at this, Matthew chapter 13, verse 53. And when Jesus had, had finished these parables, he went away from there, and coming to his home hometown, he taught them in, in their synagogue, the church, so they were astonished. Now remember, this is where he grew up, and said, so then all of a sudden, they didn't like what he had to say, so they start trashing him. Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not his mother called Mary. So they're talking down to him. They're degrading him. And are not, and this is the important part, and, not, are not, and are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. And 
are not all his sisters here with us? So guess what? His family is in the room. Do not miss that. His family is in the room. And they took offense at him. In other words, you know what? His brothers and sisters did not stand up for him. You ever been in a situation? People are making fun of you. People were talking down to you. People were criticizing you. And nobody stood up for you. This is what happened here. His brother didn't say, hey, wait a minute. That's my older brother you're talking about. How dare you? Then Jesus says, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And so I hear people all the time say, you know what, I, I'm worried if I invite my family to church, they are the people that really know me. They may bring up some words that I've used. They may bring up some things that I've said. They may bring up some things that I've done that they're aware of that I'm ashamed of. They may bring up some areas of my life that since believing a Christian that I've, I've blown it and I, I, don't, I just don't know. I mean, if we're honest, family has a way of reminding us of all of our failures and mistakes. Aren't families a blessing? <laughs> but when you're found by Jesus, you don't have to be ashamed of your faith. You, okay, so if you're worried, well, if I invite them, they may laugh at me, they may make fun of me, they, they may call me a hypocrite, they may remind me of all of my sins or imperfections, so what do I do? Let me help you with that. You own it. You admit it. You stay real. They know who you are. They know the mistakes you've made. You tell them, you know what, you're exactly right. I've done some things that I'm ashamed of. I've done some things that I'm embarrassed of. But you know what? That didn't matter to Jesus. He knew I was needy without Him. He knew that I needed Him. And I, have, and I came to Him just as I was. And guess what? He didn't judge me. He didn't condemn me. Listen, I have accepted Him. And I serve a God who forgives me when I repent and does not hold a grudge against me. And you know what? Since meeting Jesus Christ, I'm still not perfect, but I'm much better than I was before meeting Him. Wouldn't you meet, like to meet a God like that? Wouldn't you like to meet someone in your life? Wouldn't you like to meet a God that is for you? I mean, the Scripture says, we worship to it, that if God is for me, who could be against me? I mean, just own it. If there's enough grace for me, then there's more than enough grace for you. Wouldn't you like to meet a God like that, to be saved by a Savior who loves you just the way you are, but you don't have to stay that way? You don't have to fake it? You don't have to hide it, that you can come to Him, you can be forgiven, you can be accepted, and He'll transform you. See, verse 41, here it is. He says, He first found His own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. You know what? That's what Andrew did. Andrew goes to his brother. He didn't tell him any theological stuff. He just told his brother what Christ had done for him. You tell people what God has set you free from, I'm telling you what, you own it. You don't have to hide it. There's power in that. There's, listen, there's something real. There's something powerful about someone that's just real and transparent. And, G, and, and James, or and Jesus invites Andrew, and Andrew invites, invites his, his brother when was the last time? When was the last time you invited someone to church? Remember that? I don't even know why I just thought of it. I'm going to say it. Remember that commercial many years as a date me? Remember that commercial many years ago, Wolf Brand Chili? 
when was the last time you had a steaming hot bowl of Wolf Brand chili? Well, that's been too long, right? When was the last time he invited someone to church? Well, that's too long. When was the last time you just you leveraged the influence God has given you? Say, hey, I go to Fellowship of the Rockies. Would you like to go with me? You, you, you can sit with me. You don't have to be strange or awkward about it. Get a weird look in your eyes, talk in a spiritual tone. that like creeps the whole room out. Listen, I'm telling you, when, when you see Jesus, I'm just telling you, when you see Jesus change your friends' lives, people become really important to you. I've noticed this as a pastor when people bring their friends here to church, their stress level increases. I know that because I'll have conversations with some of you. You'll stop me in the foyer. Oh, Pastor Charlie, we're glad you're here this weekend. Please, please, please don't mess this up. <laughs> I got a friend that I've been inviting. I've been inviting for like a long time, and they've never been in church. They've never been to. They've never been to a wedding. This is for like their first time. Please, 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 please. Are you going to tell some jokes tonight? Please be funny. Um, they'll, sometimes they'll say, "What are you preaching on?" And, and I love to mess with you guys when you're like stressed. And I'll say, "Oh, it's a great night to have them. I'm preaching on ten reasons why you're going to hell. God bless you." And so people will tell me, and then you start giving me tips like, don't bring up the Cowboys, whatever you do. You know, they're, they're Steeler fans. And I'm like, ah, you know, send them somewhere else. And so uh, they're like, they're like, they're like they're, don't do that. Don't talk about the Cowboys. And whatever you do, don't talk about being from Texas. I mean, and, you know, Pastor Charlie, we tell you this, but they're vegans. And I've got to be honest with you, I never met a vegan until Colorado. I don't even think a vegan exists in Texas. And uh, I did meet a, we, we don't have time for that story. It's a funny story about a vegan. Uh, but I love vegans. It just saves more meat for me. And so, uh, so, and listen, listen, when you bring a friend, you listen to a sermon and you listen it, you try to listen to it through their ears, right? You listen so intently because you are hoping, listen, nothing offends them, nothing hurts them. You're praying that they have a good experience. And then you hope that people are friendly and people that greet them. Listen, now you know why greeters are so important. Listen, greeters aren't here to hand you bulletins. If that's all greeters do, we'd do a rack. We'd put the bulletins in your seat. That's not what they do. That's not the most important. You know what they do? You know what their most important job is? When your friends come, when, you, when they come to set you at ease, look you in the eyes and say, we are glad you're here. See, when people bring their friends, all of a sudden, everything changes. Listen, our pastors and ministry partners, we are so sensitive about this that when you bring, when you bring a Simon, that we believe and we want that from the time when they walk in the front doors, that we greet them, we're nice to them, we encourage them, Listen, we're going to sing songs about Jesus. We're going to open up the Scriptures. We're going to talk about Jesus without any guilt, without any judgment, without any condemnation. And we're going to give them the opportunity to take the next step. And we're going to do everything we can with excellence from, from the first person that greets you to people drop, that you drop off your children to until you're seated and until you walk out those doors. And we're going to create the most excellent environment where your friends who do not know Jesus can take the next step. And we're going to do everything we can not to embarrass you because we understand the investment that you have made getting that person to come here and just meet Jesus. So go for it. Most people that you work with, 
don't know Jesus. Your best friend. You guys may talk about everything. Have you ever talked about the most important thing? And people say, well, wait a minute, Fellowship of the Rockies, that's like that large church. You're like a mega church. Listen, I'm telling you this, we have not even scratched the surface of the people in this community that needs Jesus. We have not even scratched the surface of the job that God wants to do in this community, and He wants to do it through us, He wants to do it through you, and He wants to do it through this church. See, we've been given a big challenge. Statistics say that the that 95% of Christians have never led one person to Christ. That's not the statistics that so much concerns me. The statistic that concerns me is that 90% of Christians haven't even tried. Haven't even invited someone. Even made the ask. And we're going to reach this city and we're going to do it one person at a time. Because that's what God has called us to do. So how about this? God has a job to do and He wants to do it through you. Who do you need to talk to? Do you need to leverage your influence that God has given you to change the eternal destiny of the people around?